A pup named Tony Stark. Yo, Tony. Marvel Babies. Tony Toon Adventures. The Tonyminator. On this episode of WatchBots. Hi, everyone. Welcome to WatchBots, the podcast that's not concerned about the second wave of Corona because we don't leave the house. This is Ben. I am joined by Shailen. Hello. Hello. And also homebound, Dave. Forever and ever, I I felt I shall be homebound. I just, I'm getting tired of it. I thought I could handle it. I think I'm breaking. I like to make little projects of it, um, <laughs> you know, like just make stacks of things in one room. And then it's like, oh, man, this is the storage room now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can move those stacks to another room. Yeah. Yeah. And you have an, a new storage room. And I'm and getting ready. Yeah. I'm getting ready to perform some computer surgery. So it's like, oh, man, now the office is revitalized. There's uh, there's good stuff happening. You just got to <laughs> you got to put a positive spin on things. Real positive. I. I think we all have, but have done a lot of TV watching and sort of consumption of media over the last few months. And I think I have finally scraped the bottom of the barrel here. Okay. Let me take you back to the Halcyon times of six months ago. Disney Plus was just getting off the ground. They were announcing all of the weird, wacky stuff that was going to be on there. But one thing. Good old days. (laughs) Memories. One thing caught my eye. It was Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. And it was described <laughs> as a kid-centric game show where kids were going to compete to be Jedi. And they would, you know, test their will and their strength and all that shit. And it sounded just like Legends of the Hidden Temple, which I think we can all agree. Um, great show. Great show. It's great banging. Show. We, we stand Kirk Fogg in, on this show. But one of the other things is the host playing a Jedi was Ahmed Best, who would be best known for playing Jar Jar Banks. So it's like they did him dirty and they brought him back. And the idea was the show was going to be on Disney Plus. So imagine my surprise late last week when I was browsing YouTube, as one does, and I saw the first two episodes of Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. <laughs> it had been shunted to the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel, which I've never heard of. Oh, no. Star Wars Kids. <laughs> and where Disney Plus has millions of followers, over the first three days, these two episodes had a combined like 14,000 views, which in YouTube numbers is like nothing. <laughs> but I <laughs> Dropped in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, for Star Wars. But I did watch it. Yes, you did. I did. <laughs> it Does was... it deserve to be on or off Disney Plus? Well... I mean, everybody's standards are different, but it was pretty poor. It sort of was like Legends of the Hidden Temple. If Legends of the Hidden Temple was completely self-serious, had no audience whatsoever, and had the pacing of the Fawns and the Happy Days gang. So fun. (laughs) It's three teams, and they're all kind of dressed like Han Solo for some reason. Like, 
when you think Padawan learners, they're generally kind of wearing like little teeny robes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not just wearing fucking Han Solo gear. But little these kids were robes. Yeah. Han Solo gear is easier to create, though. I guess that's true. And then Ahmed Best is out there with a robot who's kind of like... Um, it's a droid. Jesus, yeah. Boy, what what a fucking flub that was. You idiot. <laughs> Who are you? I know. Upset. Is the droid like um, Harvey from uh, Double Dare? No, the droid is like Lando's fuckbot from Solo. Mm. Oh. But like not as horny, but it there is somebody voicing it. So the first challenge is like this physical one. And they have to do different tasks. But the thing is, when you think of Legends of the Hidden Temple again, you had Kirk Fogg being like, oh, the silver monkeys, they're getting it. And the fucking the blue barracudas. And there's there's a crowd cheering. This is just kids like struggling to do fairly routine obstacles, like bouncing up on... <laughs> in a quiet warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in like a forest themed <laughs> warehouse. Like a girl like kept swinging a rope and she just kept like slamming into the wall. I watched that girl swing into that wall at least four times. Yeah. And I felt bad about it, but I still watched and I still left. <laughs> but then it, it, it goes on and on, like again, for like seven or eight minutes, like this story. And then they get the next one is like a mental challenge. Like the host tells them the story and they have to remember details. But the final challenge is they have to go through the Jedi temple and build their lightsaber, which in theory sounds kind of cool. But in reality, it's just like them going down slides and shit and they get tempted by the dark side so like there's like a red glow and a voice like telling them to take the easy path but obviously because it's a television show you're you're not going to do that does the dark side offer like prizes or something no so they even the light side doesn't offer prizes i'll I'll get back to that so (laughs) they they get forewarned that the dark side may tempt them right it may seem easier but they'll face more challenge later so they're in like a puzzle room and basically the dark side is like hey just touch this and you can you can skip this room but i assume there's some consequence for that down the road but the kids won and you know, Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple, you're winning like boom boxes and fucking British night sneakers. Here, yeah, and moon boots. You just get a shitty robe and a lightsaber oh. <laughs> because they're playing it like completely seriously again. You're not because winning now like you're a Jedi. 800 space bucks or whatever. It's just, it's just the thrill of being a Jedi. Oh man, that sucks. I had that thought that I was like, oh, this is a Disney game show. There's no way the kids don't win on every episode, right? But I, I didn't watch episode two, but I skimmed to the end. And that group didn't become Jedis. They failed on the final challenge. And it's like, oh, man, what a kick in the balls. They didn't even get like, they didn't get moon shoes. They didn't get shit. And then they were Order 66. It was terrible. (laughs) But all these kids know social media influencers. So I guess. Oh, good. Goes to show what I know. Good for them. What a decision to make by Disney. Like, no, this show can't make it on Disney Plus. But like the movie about the squirrel Perry can. And. Emil and the detectives can make it on to Disney Plus. Like, you must be, that show must be terrible. There's a ton of crap on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. And weird stuff too, like bad shorts and like that fucking forky answers questions and kids with animals. But yeah, if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube, Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, if you got 20 minutes, or you're looking to put the kids to sleep. That's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Just right, kids muttering to each other, talking smack. Strange stuff. So um, today is, uh, listeners, we record on Wednesdays usually. So uh, Don't today tell is the Wednesday. Secrets. Sorry, sorry. Live to tape. Trade secrets. So today's Wednesday, and in a few days, it's going to be Father's Day. Um, my daughters made me presents, and they were very eager to give them to me. So they give them to me right away today, this afternoon during lunch. Mm-hmm. 
And so I got it, and they had, uh, they they painted some rocks for me, and they gave me some Reese's peanut butter cups, and which are my favorite candy, and it was just uh, it was a delight. But then I learned something about these rocks. Mm-hmm. They came in a rock painting kit. Mm-hmm. I said, "What is this rock painting kit?" I thought they were joking. I was like, "Can't you just find rocks and use the paint that we have in yeah. the house?" I'm like, no, 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 these are rock painting kits. So there's a box, and it's got it's all designed and everything, and it came with like certain kinds of paints and stuff. I was like, oh, all right, maybe that's the kit, the kit there. And like, these are, this is specific paint for rock painting. And then my wife informs me that the box came with rocks. There was just, <laughs> someone bought my daughters a box of rocks. That's cool. <laughs> we have plenty of those in the, the yard behind us. I, I was, I was just utterly fascinated by who decided to just box up rocks and sell them. No, the, the rocks that they painted, fantastic. I love mm-hmm. them. They're going to go on my desk. I'll look at them all day. I'll cherish them. But I don't know how much you paid for that box of rocks, stranger, but um, I'm confounded. Who we, is this stranger? <laughs> we, too, have someone in our lives who purchased us a box of rocks <laughs> with small pots of paint. Mm-hmm. Was it me? It was not you. Okay, okay. I, mean, uh, I, I wanted so the ultimate twist on this story, but it was not to be. <laughs> Shyamalan, Dave can't remember things. Listeners, we want to hear from you. If you know who bought either household rocks, hit us up. Hashtag mysterious rocks person. I was going to say rocksman, but that wouldn't have been cool. But right. I'm glad you got your rocks. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. And thank you, rock, rock Boxing Factory. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that are hard, Mm. this week's episode, we are, by definition, a nostalgia-themed podcast, but this week we're talking about something, I guess it happened in the previous decade, so it fits, talking about late 20-aughts, Iron Man, Armored Adventures, also known as Iron Man the Animated Series, which is not to be confused with Iron Man the Animated Series from 1994, which was also known as Iron Man. And, Shalyn? Yes? You made the selection for us. I did. And I want to know why, and I want to know why you didn't pick the 90s version. Hmm. Well. Well. I have a list. Okay. French, French-based cartoon, French animation, historically with us. Mm-hmm. Always get something weird to offer. We. Deek. <laughs> Last week, we were talking about adaptations and spinoffs of things sure. and how people take things and will do anything to make money. Mm-hmm. This feels like the perfect example of that. Let's take this licensed entity, mm-hmm. contort it wildly, and try to make a quick buck. All of us love, love when we take beloved characters and make them kids. Just sure. kidding. We hate that. I love the weird animation style Mm -hmm. where it is computer animated right and then sometimes they do a little extra dazzle but only in certain frames so the suit basically in this episode does that and that's throughout the series where like something will pop up and it's like why does that one thing look so fucking we got 40 extra bucks here let's let's throw it at making the suit look like like lava i just got an adobe photoshop plug in let's (laughs) let's throw in some effects and also, when I chose this particular episode, mm-hmm. I had had the theme song stuck in my head for roughly uh, two weeks. Yeah, we'll get to that theme song um, later. And so I was like, maybe if I share this into the world, like the ring, I will be purged of it. Mm-hmm. Plus time travel. I'm always a sucker for time travel. 
that's a very thorough explanation. I really thought about it this week, you that's guys. That's great. Thank you. Two and a half. <laughs> it was fine. So before we get into the show itself, let's take a step back and talk about Iron Man. Iron Man has been in the Marvel cadre of superheroes pretty much since the beginning. Had been around since the 60s, but for a long time didn't quite reach the heights of a Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. I'm not quite sure why that is. He doesn't um, have superpowers. He's got a cool suit, though, and he's got money. So he's That's got true. that Batman quality. He's basically Batman. Like when I was coming into my own in the 90s, Iron Man was always there, but I didn't read Iron Man. I didn't have any comics. He just seemed somewhat lesser than. Mm-hmm. I had a toy Iron Man where you would like snap the armor onto him, which was cool. But even that didn't get me into it. Like this shirtless man that you snapped armor into couldn't <laughs> couldn't get me into the fold. Why can't they put him in a suit and you could snap the armor over that? That's no, no, no. He he was dressed like ravishing Rick Rude, hmm. uh. <laughs> just tights and uh, and nothing else. Hachi machi, and I could see everything. <laughs> there had been attempts. I put off <laughs> to bring Iron Man more into the mainstream. So there was a movie that was in development hell for like a decade. Tom Cruise was attached to play Tony Stark at one point, but it just never went through. There was the '90s cartoon, which. We'll talk about it at some point. That one is hot garbage. It is so bad. It's weird because it's an animated show, but every episode has like this 30 second thing of Iron Man getting into his suit. That's the one thing they CGI'd, but it looks like the Lawnmower Man. Oh, really, really bad really stuff. Really bad. But, is it like a reboot? Yeah. That cartoon? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that cartoon sucked. Was it bad? I yeah, well, well, I never liked it. I, I mean, I, I never really followed it. The animation style, like much like the the style that we watched for this episode, um, like just kind of, I don't know, just doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> There's something like I remember when Reboot came out, and this was before Toy Story, and you're like, oh man, that looks so cool, and then you watch it, and oh, <laughs> everything's sort of like floating. It's like this uncanny valley of an entire world. Oh yeah, everybody yeah. looks yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody looks real, but so. After the Iron Man movie came out, MCU came into existence, the world was flooded with with Marvel cartoons. You go on Disney Plus, there's fucking 600 of these things. And I've watched them all. This is one of them. A lot of them now are connected, but this is kind of a standalone. So this is Iron Man, Ar- Ar- Iron Man Armored Adventures. That's a mouthful. As Shailen mentioned, it was developed by some French folks and also a couple Marvel Comics writers. So there is some connection to the comics. The story is kind of a reinterpretation. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen the Iron Man films, and folks, if you haven't, check them out. They're all real hoots. Five stars. Everyone here is a sexy teen. Tony Stark looks exhausted at all times. Like he's got he has Undertaker bags under bags his eyes. Under his always, eyes. yeah. Howard Stark, who is famously dead in the movies and the comics. I don't know why I said the movies first. He's alive here. But the but beats, you don't know that right away. That, that's true. The beats are generally kind of the same. And the big differentiator here between this and something like the mid-90s Iron Man or the Spider-Man or the X-Men cartoons is this is really narrative driven. Mm-hmm. There are storylines kind of threading throughout. The episode we watched, I think, is kind of a standalone. Um, so you didn't have to read too much into it. But they had real kind of season-long arcs with this. Yeah. I would argue that Spider-Man and X-Men ha- also had season-long long arcs. <laughs> yeah, they were they were awesome. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> Their were arc sweet. was being cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> as we mentioned, the animation, it's CGI 
but they tried to sell shade it a little bit so to make it look a little bit like a comic book in some spots yeah there was a spider-man cartoon on mtv in the early 2000s that had kind of a similar look what does it mean i don't know anyway two seasons 52 episodes of this <laughs> when i looked this cartoon up on disney plus for some reason i, t- I think i typed in iron one of the things that popped up was a Disney movie called Sultan and the, the Rockstar from uh, from 1980. A popular rock star befriends a, a tame tiger living in an apparent island paradise, but then learns the island's cruel owner is hunting it for sport. Huh. So I, I didn't check that out. Uh, maybe someday, but huh, <laughs> it's connected somehow. Weird. So the episode we watched here was called Iron Man 2099, and... I am familiar with the 2099 universe. Did you guys read those comics? Are you familiar with any of that? No. Okay. I knew it existed, but I didn't read them. We'll take another trip back in time here. Uh, The early 90s were rough to comics. Just nothing was really working. So both DC and Marvel were just throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck. So this is when DC killed off Superman. They broke Batman's back. One of Marvel's things that they did was this 2099 universe. So they took... Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Punisher, and they put them in the year 2099, and they were different people, and they kind of had different powers, but they were still kind of sort of the same. That sounds lazy as hell. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> oh, so they didn't time travel. They no, were just, no, no, no. oh, this year 2099, and this is like the Spider-Man, Punisher, et cetera. Equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So Spider-Man was oh, a guy named fuck, um, yeah. <laughs> Miguel O'Hara. He had actual like talons on his hands, which was how he climbed. I can't remember how he got his powers, but it's very much a slice in time. Like it is a 90s ass interpretation of the year 2099. So everything is like neon and like very sleek. And I think that kind of carries through to the Iron Man we see here. Yeah. But if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, at the very end, Miguel O'Hara shows up. So he's the guy in the blue and red suit. It's all spiky and shit. Uh, okay. So okay. That's, that's Spider-Man 2099. Two writers here, Kevin Burke and Doc Wyatt. This show was kind of their first real TV credit, although they had done some Marvel Comics stuff before that. But now they are executive producers on the new Spider-Man cartoon that's currently airing. Which is A-plus, by on the way. Transformers Rescue Bots. So a real rags to riches stories from these guys. As we will get into, this is a time travel story, which is... Always fun. Uh, always a lot to nitpick with this kind of stuff. Can't wait for all of you to hear my brain melt. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. Also, the name Doc Wyatt, like, you're bound to succeed with that name. <laughs> yeah. a- a- whatever you do. If, if you became a writer, he was going to succeed at right. it. Right. If he decided to, like, own, uh, you know, a zoo of exotic penguins, he's going to succeed at it. Like, that's yeah. the Doc Wyatt just carries clout. Yeah, it's I the, agree. The way it works. So... It aired on March 28th, 2012. I can't even remember what was going on back then. I wish so I knew. So far back. So far back. Oh boy, my brain is just addled with the things I've done since then. But let's talk about it. Ooh, what were we seeing? It's contextual feeling. Top movies. <laughs> These are all ones that I, I know, which is nice. Number one, The Hunger Games. Okay, terrible movie. Uh, Yeah, pretty fucked up. Number two. Jagged Edge. Wow. How did that make it in there? <laughs> <laughs> the re-release. 21 Jump Street. I never saw the, that one. Okay. Pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Uh, number three, The Lorax. Okay. Top songs here. Fun, We Are Young. Okay. Tonight. Oh. We 
know how to syncopate our beats. <laughs> and also Stronger by Kelly Clarkson. All right. So Kelly Clarkson in the news this week. Marriage fell apart. So Poor thing. Put the things together here. But wait. There's but more. Wait. Got a little trick for you. See, the episode did air on March 28th, 2012, but only on Nickelodeon's website. Oh. Didn't air on well. television until June 6th, 2012. So you know what that means. Ooh, what were we seeing? It's contextual feeling. Top movies. Sea of Love. <laughs> Red Dawn, the original one? The Firm. <laughs> <laughs> the, that movie where the train is just driving straight at the screen the one that stars jeff bridges as a sexy lawyer who's seduced by a juror played by uh, uh you know glenn close what the mm. fuck <laughs> trial and error starring michael richards and <laughs> jeff daniels and charlie's throne what it really was was something just as good snow white and the huntsman hmm. uh a, a bad idea <laughs> It's just that it was just movie studios looking for a vehicle for Chris Hemsworth that wasn't named Thor. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, didn't work. Men in Black 3. Another bad idea. Also also Chris work. Hemsworth, isn't it? No, no that's in the, the Men in Black movie. International. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Number three, The Avengers. So that something, a bright spot out of that summer. With all that in mind. We've lived in March. We've lived in June. Let's get into this show. So before we get to the song, and we will spend some time on the song, we get a bit of a cold open here. And you're getting like these funky beats and you see Pepper and she's, you know, she's a teen. She's got like this shoelace necklace or whatever the fuck on and and they're walking around. And here's your first impression of Tony. What? He's got like this Swedish chef thing going on. He's behind this enormous pile of shoes. And, and she moves his shoebox and you see Tony and I went, holy shit, because he looks like he looks like Spike from Transformers. You know the kid from Transformers? Yep. If Spike hadn't slept in like three months, the bags under Tony's eyes go down to like his cheek level. It's truly strange. He looks like in Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue when Michael gets high. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he <laughs> always looks like that. <laughs> he kind of looks like um any Beetlejuice character in the Beetlejuice cartoon. Oh yes, <laughs> that's, that's true. true. We should talk about that show. But they're hanging out and I think my impression from this show is there's a lot of cool hip teen banter mm -hmm. like this. Oh what? That this is a date? <laughs> they talk like really normal people at all times. Um the show was produced in France. But a lot of the voice actors are Canadian, so... And it shows. I think it explains a lot about how socially awkward this is. Just kidding. I love my Canadians out there. Thank you. Hit us up. Hashtag Canadians. So all of a sudden, there's this big-ass explosion, right? And they're in what I'm guessing is New York. Shailen, do you know what time period this is supposed to take place in? We never really know. Okay. It's just like contemporary times. Because it looks like... Times Square, if the big video boards in Times Square were written in Japanese, and if Times Square had nobody in it, mm -hmm. it's kind of the setting for the show. But yeah, yeah, there was like not a lot of extras in this. Um, and I was like, was this like some dystopic future, but before 2099? Maybe 2099 was like just in a couple of years. I was gonna say, maybe this is 2098. <laughs> I, I would yeah. believe it. I think it goes unaddressed. I'm trying to remember now. 
But then I was like, oh, 2099, it's grandson. That could be the case. Like mathematically, that would make sense if it's like pretty far in the future. (laughs) Could be. Well, who knows? It's a mystery out there. But there's a big explosion and a man appears in the sky. And he kind of looks like Iron Man because, uh, spoiler, he is Iron Man. But his armor looks like it's made out of lava. It's red and yellow. It's sort of shimmery. It didn't hurt Fonz. <laughs> it looks more like if a psychedelic dress could move, the print on it moved. Sure. Like Phantom Tollboothy. Dave, what's your favorite psychedelic dress? Oh, the, um, the, the, the gold one. No, no, it was blue. Oh boy! Um, oh, oh, don't don't yeah. go there. Oh boy! It's a deep oh, cut, nice. Dave. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> the fucking dress, shimmery. We're trying to but, avoid controversy these days. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm canceled. <laughs> but this man in the sky, he speaks English at least, and he asks a reasonable question. What here? What here is this? Where is Iron Man? There's sort of a parallel here and we'll explore it more as as we get deeper into the show between this and the terminator this man does not appear nude which is Thank a God. low down shame disagree and <laughs> he comes back in time and he's unsure when he is with a man with all this amazing technology who can time travel without a, a care in the world that he doesn't know i don't know he's just confirming yeah it's bullshit like he he was the one time traveling. It, like he was sent for the very purpose to to murder Tony Stark. And, yeah, yeah. And like he doesn't know what year it is. It comes it back matter? into play later too that he can time travel to an exact moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's capable of that. So uh, there's some time travel weirdness going on yeah. here. <laughs> we need to establish his character, okay, guys? <laughs> they just threw time travel words out and was like, "Ah, eh, fuck it. We don't have to figure out what what it means for like the timeline or anything. It's it's cool." It's a show for kids. But between this and Pepper calling this unnamed man Mr. Crazy Manga Guy, I was able to sit back and relax because I knew this show was one for the nerds. You know, a little time travel, <laughs> little oh. manga references. This isn't one of those Iron Man shows for the hip kids. This is for me. It's true. I appreciate that. <laughs> so the guy takes off his helmet. He, I mean, I get, we'll say he looks like an older Tony. He really doesn't, but he's a dude with a beard. This is Andro Stark, and he introduces himself as Tony's grandson. And now, now we're going into the song. Strap your asses in. Okay. <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> I, I did like the beep boops. This song is by the safest rock band ever, Rooney. Rooney. <laughs> Such a perfect description. Had a modest hit in the mid 2000s, uh, the song Blue Side, which was on the Princess Diaries soundtrack. The lead singer is actor, director, musician. Let's just call him an auteur, Robert Schwartzman, brother of Jason Schwartzman. 
cousin of Nicolas Cage and Sofia Coppola, son of Hollywood producer Jack Schwartzman and Talia Shire, so Adrian from the Rocky movies. So, hmm. so, so some real star power behind this theme song. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying Kinda. clearly a guy who got by on his own talent. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Self-made man. For sure. And I think it comes across in that theme song. A really kicking intro. I liked to one of the credits here in the opening was with the participation of France televisions. And I, I thought, <laughs> ooh, that, that feels nice. <laughs> I know it's not a mistake, but that feels like a big old, just a big old French mistake in there. You know, like they couldn't say French television. They had to say France televisions. That's correct. Probably laughing at us. Hoity toity. I love that it's televisions because I know that it's like a language issue, mm-hmm. but I, in my head, I'm like, Every television in France participated in making this an American reality. Mm-hmm. Thanks, French televisions. It's like a preview for us. It's true. So with that in mind, we're in an alleyway now. Uh, this man in a suit is stalking two teenagers, and he immediately puts me off with some of its judgmental attitude. Take a listen. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I don't know where you got your tech from, but I think it's affecting your brain. Your era's cynical humor is inexplicable. Hey, Andros, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Our society's built on cynical humor. He also <laughs> doesn't how, tell a it's joke. how we cope. Yeah. Asshole. Without cynical humor, I'd be fucking crying in the basement. Same. Covered in bleach. I might do that later just for fun. <laughs> trying to inject light into my lungs. Um, <laughs> why does everyone in 2099 like not like humor or right. cynicism? And talk like this, like they were just born and learning the English language. I think it's a way to think through evolution. You know what I mean? Like we've evolved past this. We've evolved past the need for humor. We can just state things as they are. Everyone goes on social media and just speaks their minds. And there are no problems with that. That's the beauty of 2099. And they do it in a real erudite manner. Like, yeah. <laughs> his accent bothered me. I thought that he spoke slowly because he thought the people around him didn't understand him. Like, okay. he was doing Tony a favor. Like, oh, you dumb dumb telling your silly jokes. I'll slow down what I say so you can understand me better. Huh. Oh, I don't like when you talk like that either. We're just gonna we're just gonna stop that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I finally found an Achilles heel. That's yes. Gross. <laughs> See what happens. That was her poke fifty two impression. <laughs> uh, I'll go into baby voice so fast. I will no, 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 no. You know what they say. So <laughs> he zaps them onto a roof, right? And they're like, Oh man, you can temporarily displace us or whatever the fuck. They start using science babble. And Andrew starts to list the reasons why he's there. Right? Correct. I have arrived here for three reasons. To prove to you my legitimacy, to research the era. Why? To pinpoint the moment when events were set in motion. Events that bring about the destruction of the world. Destroy the world? Who does it? Dr. Doom? AIM? Mandarin? No. You. <laughs> so he's there to like show that he's real, to... Do some research. Oh, and to kill Tony. <laughs> Those reasons are all <laughs> fucked up. They're all out of the out of order. I don't know. Again, with his accent, like he sounds like Spock and Kirk. Like their voices mated and had a baby. That's, that's <laughs> oh, that's like interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm logical and also speak 
in a very staccato manner. Hmm. Well, what I like too is that he doesn't always do it consistently. Sure. So even when he says no to Tony here, he's like this and this. And Tony goes, was it one of these people? And he just goes, no, it was you. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> he just breaks. No, let's go to the bodega. No. <laughs> no. Idiot. This is all being presented very dramatically as well. And it's like, what is this hip teen going to do to destroy the world? What is he going to like fucking put a bomb in a kegger? Like, what's going on? <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but Andros explains. Mm-hmm. For the record, too, I think they should have like sandpapered up Andros a bit, and then you could have Gerard Butler play him in the live action version. Ooh, I like that. But that's mm-hmm. just me. So he explains what's happening, and I started to get some tinglings in my spidey sense that this was a little bit familiar. Let's see if we all recognize this. Instead, Vortex merges with Shield computers. It routes in and takes control of the internal network, then the entire internet, essentially everything. And then. And then it considers humanity evil and begins systematically destroying all life on Earth. Hmm. What could this be? Tony is going to create an AI, not Ultron, which would be another murder bot that we've seen elsewhere. But this one's called Vortex. And as if the allusions to the Terminator franchise were not enough, as Andros is telling this story, the screen turns orange and there's tanks rolling all over the yeah. place. It's like that scene in T2 where Linda Hamilton is imagining what's going to happen and she like sees like faces melting. Yeah. Faces. It's like, yeah, it's a time travel apocalypse story. And so maybe there's only so much originality in it, but it's like, boy, this is just lifted right from, from other movies here. So this is going to happen a lot through this episode because mm-hmm. I would not have watched the show if it weren't for our son. I simply would not have watched it. So I'll be interjecting here and there with his commentary. Mm-hmm. When we watched this the first time and Andros explained it. He looked at me and went, why is he talking about Ultron, but using the wrong name? <laughs> like he, he just didn't buy it off that. He's that's no, you're talking exactly about Ultron. Sure. <laughs> but it's not, it's vortex. When you're four and a half and you see through those plot holes, you know, they're big. I hated all the Terminator illusions that they made. Like some were not as subtle. Some were, but like, like the net was coming out of the sky yes. and Linda Hamilton had a guest appearance. What I was think, weird is they chose probably. to not am- animate her. She was just yeah. live action on top. Super. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was like a, a picture. Man. Yeah. It's like if you watch Donahue in the nineties when they would have a call in guest, it's just that grainy image like on the phone. Linda Hamilton. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm enamored <laughs> with the concept. Sheila didn't watch Donahue. Ahoy, Tony. It's Linda. I'm here to help you. <laughs> I'm not in character. I'm just the actress. It's me, Linda Hamilton. (laughs) Come with me if you want to live. Where's my money? Where's my money? So the law of 2099 here means that Andrews has to tell Tony that he's going to kill him. And it's like, oh, cool. That's really honorable. (laughs) Just really funny stuff. Like, I already told you that I've come back from the past, but the law of 2099 has to say you're terminated. I uh, like that the law travels with you, right? right like right. If, if I if I go back to like, I don't know, 1910, am I not allowed to vote anymore? Is that how that works? Should I not be paid for the voting that I did? It's a real diehard reference. Anyway, Andros points a hand to Tony and you're like, oh, this is 2099 tech. This is bad news. Tony falls off the building and Pepper's yelling because Pepper doesn't know that Tony is Iron Man apparently. No, she does. No, I, uh, yes. Thank you. 
<laughs> so Tony is in the Iron Man. Sarcasm. <laughs> and he's flying around, and who does he call? James Rhodey Rhodes, who is not a military man here. He's also a teen, and Rhodey is in the sphere thing from the last Starfighter, and he can't help because of a previous encounter with Magneto. Who? Magneto. So they must have fought Magneta at some point or another. I'm not sure who that is, but he can't help. I hated this part. I, man, I was so mad. He's a teenager. Sure. Why is he in this giant wheel thing in this like headquarters? Like, because it's cool. I guess so. Are the teens just allowed to hang out and like save the world? So when Tony Stark's dad dies in the opening episode or two kind of stretches a two-parter he wakes up and the Rhodes family has adopted him and he has a secret bunker which is essentially the lab that Tony Stark has in all of the comic books and everything that you're aware of okay okay and so Tony and Pepper are his assistants in the lab and they hang out there when he's not there. And for mm. some reason, the Rhodes family does not question why the kids are never doing homework <laughs> in the house. But yeah. the mom does get mad at them for cutting class a lot. It's because D- Dusty's always out in the ring. <laughs> Brother Cody. <laughs> Cody insists some bad tattoos. It's a good family, though. We love them all. Good time with a hot time. <laughs> So it's a Stark on Stark battle, mano a mano, and Tony's getting his ass kicked. And one thing this show does a lot of is show Tony like inside the suit yelling. Yeah. So he gets hit with something. He's like, ah. And they do this in the Iron Man movies too. Like they show his head in this weird circle. And I always get a little kick out of this, right? Because the suit is pretty tight on Tony at any given time. Yeah, it looks like he's in a suit. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. When, it it does. But when they show like this inside shot, it looks like he's got all the the space in the world. And I know like yeah, there's like little he's in a giant readouts. Room. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I always get a kick out of it because it's like I guess realistically they couldn't show his face in there because he's pretty tight. It's too close, but, yeah. Uh. What I like about those shots and I actually called that out in my notes too is Iron Man in all universes mm-hmm. when he's in those moments like I want to know what the director is saying in the movie to Robert Downey Jr. who's like sitting in a booth and delivering lines like mm-hmm. things are happening to him and for so like he gets so distressed well, which makes sense because he's fighting or whatever but they managed to capture that exact weird emotion of like okay voice actor you're inside a box right and now you're gonna shout but you're not really moving it's okay like you're in a suit you're safe but you need to think it's dire because your head's lolling around in there. Like it's just like so many separations from reality, like steps from it. Right, right, right. So they're fighting. Andrew shoots like these sun rockets at Tony. He, he buries him in a crater and then some cops show up. Right. And Andros has another good line here. Stop. I'm on your side. The side of justice. My motto uh, I'm on your justice. side. The side, the side of justice. Of justice. <laughs> and he shoots the cops with, I don't know, knockout gas. You can hear them snoring. Sleepy drops. So again, this is very consistent with Terminator 2, where Arnold stops the cops, but there are no fatalities. It's good stuff. He goes to find Tony's body, but Tony is gone. And we see Tony, who's just flying through the clouds, holding Pepper in his arms, and when you're up that high, isn't it cold or hard to breathe? Yeah. She usually. seems okay, though. 
I sort of thought this was funny. It was like his Superman moment, right? But yeah. Yeah. They're fucking high up, man. <laughs> Maybe his arms have like seat warmers in them. To huh. Make pepper okay. comfortable. Oh, that would know. be nice. That would be very considerate. Well, she still can't breathe. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe she has Iron Man technology as well. Maybe. She does later. By the end of the series, she is in the rescue armor, mm-hmm. uh, which viewers of Avengers Endgame will also know. But anyway. Just also more examples of lazy writing here. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Andres blows him up with that light sunbeam thing, whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't show, like, Tony jumping out of the way or, like, digging down into a tunnel or something to, like, right. get out. It just it just shows him exploding. And then next thing you know, he's in the sky. Like, I just, I wanted that, like, just little bit of, like, oh, how did he get out of that? <laughs> he tunneled. Yeah. Unimportant. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, did Andros miss? I guess. He's Iron Man. He's fine. Hate that. That's a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And how do you get up in the sky? Flew. What do you have for breakfast that morning? Must have flew. Wheaties. (laughs) So here we cut to one of the big bads in the series, and this is Justin Hammer. So again, from the movies, uh, Sam Rockwell, who gave a a virtuoso performance. But here, Justin Hammer again, another sexy teen. And he's with... He's not a teenager. He's not a teenager? No, he's an adult. Oh, he doesn't come off as an adult at all? I know that, but he's not a teenager. Oh. Still sexy. Very sexy. With an amazing collar. Yeah. It is not Ver- just popped. It's, it's like vampire. <laughs> it's a vampire collar? It looks like a vampire cape. Shailen, I have a question <laughs> for you. What's your favorite kind of collar? The psychedelic ones. <laughs> the psychedelic dress ones? Yeah. For sure, the psychedelic dress ones. Okay. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Hashtag in for a penny, in for a collar. So Justin Hammer is with Sasha, who is a relative? I think so. In the comics, she's the daughter of Justin Hammer's mom, Justine Hammer, which is just perfect comic book writing, and the Mandarin. I think she's more sinister than she comes across here. But anyway, all of a sudden, Andros shows up, and he's treating Justin Hammer like a hero, right? And this is where you start to get into the time travel madness a little bit, because one of the rules, and they always explain this, is you really shouldn't give out too much information about the future, right? Because anything could change the timeline a lot. So what does Andros do? The very first thing he does when he comes in. Hard light holograms. Justin Hammer elected president for third term. (laughs) (laughs) So he tells Hammer that he was a hero. He tells him that he's a president. He gives him this hologram, which is sort of an updated version of like the Back to the Future newspaper. He's just freely giving this information out and then andros's mother came in and they were like who are you and and, and justin hammer was like he's my uncle <laughs> uncle <laughs> and then he started doing this really offensive hispanic thing i don't know what was going on was mitch hey mitch. mitch yeah so <laughs> hey hey mitch andros said if andros kills his grandfather in the past mm-hmm. Does he cease to exist? Yes. He he, t- yes. he mentioned this a couple of times. Okay. That he will die, but it's a sacrifice he has to make. I see. Okay. Now, I don't... I guess it doesn't matter, like, why he's the one that has to go back, but he does. Just confirming. Yeah. Okay. So, they, they do use a little bit of time here to get into time travel logic. This is the one thing they kind of explained away. Badly, but they did it. Why can't you just time travel back to the last place you saw Iron Man and take him out? I can't. I have one last emergency jump before the warp accelerators burn out my armor completely. 
Because I had that same thought where it was like, oh, well, he fucked up killing Tony. He should just go back to another point and kill him there. But you can't do it because he needs plutonium for the flux capacitor. That's true. So there you go. And Hammer's asking him questions like, okay, well, I'll give you these specs so you can fuck up Iron Man, right? But can't you tell me more? Like, just tell me who Iron Man is. And then Andros is like, well, I can't. Because if I tell you too much about the future, it'll change your destiny. And it's like, motherfucker, you just told him he was a three-term president. It has to be like 122. What the hell is going on? By virtue of you being there, you're fucking it up. You just handed him technology he hasn't invented for another 50 years. Andrus leaves. He goes to find Tony using these specs from Justin Hammer. And now we're in the workshop, which is in the basement of the Rhodes home, which I, I did not realize. And Tony's fixing something. He still looks pretty sleepy. Pepper uses a phrase which is near and dear to my heart. Don't even go there. That's how I feel. Um, they do this cute little promise, like the three of them. So Rhodey and Pepper and Tony, they can't tell anybody else about the armory. And they all stare at each other's eyes and like fist bump or whatever. Like, what was this? <laughs> this is very touching. Unimportant. <laughs> it's what we do when we start the podcast. It's virtually, virtually yeah. of course. Yeah. So Tony is building a weapon and it's like a nanovirus that he's anticipating would be able to stop Andros. I'm going to let him explain it. I ain't no science boy. What are those? Nanovirus chips inspired by Technovore. They're based on a weakness in the biotech aspect of my extremist armor. If this penetrated my suit, it'd shut down my nervous system for hours. So he's developing something which would shut down his own nervous system. And that seems bad well because his nervous system has the the thing in his heart to keep him alive with the magnet right i just want to take a moment to appreciate that as he does the weird science babble that doesn't make real sense they have the x-files music in the background (laughs) something very similar yeah lo-fi sci-fi it's great if we put this serious music behind it then you'll believe it's real so he goes to to shoot the chips as a demonstration and it sets off like this little fireworks display so they realize they need they can't use a cannon they have to use something manual and Pepper's like, I know a guy. It's exactly how she, she sounded, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a voice actor. <laughs> so we cut to two guys in nip-tuck masks. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who that villain was. You know the one, the one who was doing like mystery plastic surgery? You know who I'm talking about. Look up nip-tuck. Uh, listeners, hashtag nip-tuck. Um, they're stealing shit, and they're stopped by Hawkeye. And Hawkeye looks pretty close to his incarnation, as you know him now. Mm-hmm. And Iron Man shows up in a very deep voice. He asks uh, Hawkeye for help, I guess, to hide the fact that he's in puberty. Still growing those short and curlies. Ew. (laughs) So now we go back to the Hammer House. (laughs) Gonna spice it up where you can. Um, Andros, who was reluctant to, to give information, has left the hologram picture frame with Hammer. Mm-hmm. who hangs it on the wall next to the Mona Lisa. <laughs> okay. I, li- I-, I like that. <laughs> and the- see, because he's rich. See? Yeah, he's rich. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, oh, this is yeah. this is good. This is the best piece of art next to this Mona Lisa. <laughs> this is the best art of all the art. I can't give you too much information, but here's an artifact from <laughs> the future. You can hang it in your home and study it closely. Here's a book of sports results. Use it to bet big and you can build a casino. Don't let Skynet in. The easy way. So Andrew shows back up and the specs were useless, right? And here we get into Justin Hammer's very complicated plan. It's a time travel thing. It has to be complicated. 
I have a better idea. Why don't you turn the tables and go for shield instead? Shield? But that's just... Brilliant, I think. Iron Man's Vortex program merges with S.H.I.E.L.D.'s computers, wiping out the future. But if you wipe them out first... Mm, it's a risk. There's a couple of things here. One, Andros... <laughs> I don't believe that we saw ever told Hammer the details of that plan. Right. And also, it's like, how much... Wouldn't he just like sit down for an hour and just babble about this guy? <laughs> Two, Andros is a Stark, and the Starks are always presented as like these super geniuses. Andros is a fucking idiot. Yes. Not too bright. They must have gotten dumber with every d- generation. It's like a real idiocracy kind well, of thing. I mean, you know, maybe it's it's 2099 and the world is ravaged by the Terminator virus or whatever the <laughs> hell it was. So, I don't know, maybe. This always bothers me in shows is like when the the evil guy, or, you know, the, the, the main bad guy, his, his sidekick goes, but boss, what about in front of the good guy or the guy they're tricking? Is <laughs> yeah. it, did you just hear that? Quiet, the sidekick, yeah. like you should probably pay attention to the sidekick and know that this is not on the up and up. But no, but no, they never do. And, and here, Andros accepts this without question. Yep, he accepts it's a risk, but then he leaves. And then Sasha's like, "Yeah, I mean, he's like a cool dude with like a lava suit, but this is this is Shield we're talking about. This ain't no joke." And then Hammer is the only logical person in the whole episode because he points out, right. In order for me to become a three-term president and be beloved and seen as a hero, this has to happen. And so he wants Andros to die. And it's like, somebody is using intelligence here. Right. Not for the right reasons. Yeah. Not with the good motivation. No, no. Well, I don't care about motivation. But at least he's using logic. (laughs) But it's like a time travel story that has like a thread of logic. I I appreciate that. Yeah. So now we see Andros again. He's flying around and he's like, it's so beautiful. They don't appreciate it. And then he's, commentary. He's, just, he's just about to be in a killer <laughs> because he goes, <laughs> he finds a helicarrier that has Black Widow on it. It's got Nick Fury. And he's like, I have to kill you for your future crimes. The law of 2099 says so. Oh, the so S.H.I.E.L.D. in this universe has just the one helicarrier. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of finding it, he found that all of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so, so okay, so that's a good point. He didn't have to narrow it down. I it see. wasn't coincidence. Yeah. There's just the one. Are you being sarcastic or is that? I'm not being sarcastic okay. at all. <laughs> what did Shield do that were crimes in the future? So it sounded like Tony gave them the vortex, which then they used as part of their Shield stuff, and that helped. Like they helped Skynet it out. Uh, I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I didn't get that. And I was like, is he just like fucking up Shield just because? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, it is a bad guy thing to do. It is, and. It gets to something I always get to with time travel stories, right? The crux of most of these is you have to change one event in the past to save the future, right? It's like, what what was the, the tagline from that show, Heroes? It was like, save the cheerleader, save the future, some fucking nonsense. Save the world. Yeah. So that's what it was, yeah. But I always have this thought where it's like, okay, let's say that Andros succeeds. Mm-hmm. Then what? Andros is dead regardless, and the world is just going to go on to some other horrific disaster. You know, like there's the butterfly effect, I think, speaks to this somewhat. Like mm-hmm. you change one thing and there's unintended consequences, but I always have this big, like, okay, so then, then what happened? <laughs> you know, like this is what the, the latest Terminator sequel talked about. Oh, it was really? like, so we have, <laughs> we, we solved the problem, right? In Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happened in Terminator 3. Now it's it's just happening again and again and again. Like they're just going to keep going back in time, and Skynet's going to keep sending bots back to kill Sarah Connor yep. 
John Connor, the next person that leads the army. So like, it's just like, I don't know. It just gets too, like to your point, Ben, like there's just going to be another event. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that not to get too off track. I think that's really the downfall of the Terminator franchise is the end is aside from salvation. They're telling the same story over and over again. It's just like, Oh, well we averted judgment day, but we didn't avert, uh, Judgment Day, like it, you, <laughs> <laughs> here's Judge Jay. Like but it's they just, avoided it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, oh well, we got to go off the grid. But oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. It's just I don't know. There's an inevitability to all these things. Um, no fate, but what we make. But in this specific episode of TV, mm-hmm. Andros has the wherewithal to be like, well, it's great if I stop one. But I also still have to kill Tony just in right. case because he's smart case, enough yeah. to fuck it up. <laughs> so Iron Man and Hawkeye show up and Hawkeye's wearing wings, which is always funny. Like I think about this with the character Falcon as well. Like when you've got guys like Iron Man who can fly around with jetpacks and shit, flying around with wings feels very quaint. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's more of a, a brand yeah choice okay you know? <laughs> oh, because he's hawkeye yeah yeah, kind of yeah. Works, yeah. oh no no i'm the eagle i have, i need wings yeah i guess okay. in that case I, I guess i can see it so <laughs> hawkeye goes to shoot andrus with an arrow and it doesn't work right and then iron man has the line of the show we need to find a weak spot to penetrate you sure do pal <laughs> and now they're they're all flying around and they're blasting shit at each other and we get my favorite thing in all these things it's my favorite thing in the marvel movies it's my favorite thing in these kind of sci-fi action shows and that's a battle banter tony's is terrible right andros is like you're all quaint you know you can't stop me and what does tony say but no one likes a braggart (laughs) as if that was some big takedown line no one likes a braggart i know i'm always screaming that when i'm in fights no one likes a braggart. To get back to an earlier point, Tony was trying to elevate his speech to something that would really intimidate <laughs> Andrews by using yeah, the term yeah. braggart. Maybe. <laughs> it's like reading a dictionary. <laughs> I like that. He was just feverishly reading in between trying to come up with a way to stop the villain. <laughs> if I can't stop him, I'll stop his feelings. So I was reading about this, and one of the reasons that this show lasted for as long as it did Mm-hmm. is because they don't have blood in the battle scenes. Okay. And it's like all the violence is essentially non-violence. Yeah, it's contained inside the suit, all the um, blood. And all the bad guys, like everybody. This has a higher violence rating than Chippendale Rescue Rangers, where mm-hmm. people are just like actively pulling guns on random people behind doors. <laughs> and C-17. <laughs> like, how yeah. is this possible that this was rated <laughs> yeah. with so much worse it violence? Was this and Showgirls, I think. Yeah, yeah. And kids. Uh, Chippendale was NC-17 because of the guns, but also because of the woo-woo girls, which you don't get any of sure. here. Sure, No, no woo-woo, woo-woo girls. girls. No woo-woo girls whatsoever. But you do get shoes. And you do get the vivacious Black Widow. I thought she was vivacious. She's would you fine. call her a woo-woo girl? Um, I mean, that would be demeaning, and so I, I won't do that, but she's more than that. Black Widow saves Hawkeye here. Like and- woo-woo do. <laughs> Andrews <laughs> blows up his little jetpack and he lands in Black Widow's car and and this is like the most French conversation that's ever Frenched even though the writers weren't French nice of you to drop in Clint Natasha I heard you're playing for the good guys I heard the same about you dinner tonight <laughs> <laughs> just 
it felt like that conversation was in the room. Like they're not, <laughs> they're clearly not recording dialogue, talking to each other. Everything sounds stilted. Their cadence is very strange. Well, it's true, Hawkeye. I have cancer. <laughs> do you want dinner? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, hi, Hawk. <laughs> you're my, you're my favorite fellow superhero. Good doggy. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it's weird stuff. So Andros is flying around, and ostensibly he is a hero from his own time, although right. he's very much the villain of this episode. But like he starts to even slip into weird villain stuff, right? He says this. You're all insects. Spiders aren't insects. First of all, that comeback line sucks, but he calls them all insects. Like, So he's clearly villainous, and this line, I think, speaks to a very small audience. When we were in graduate school... There was a fiction class. Um, there was a gentleman in there who wrote a, a fiction story, and I can't remember all of it. I want to say it was vaguely noirish. It was it, like a salesman. It was very vague. Goes <laughs> to Russia, and he's with a Russian woman, and I can't remember if she was was a woo woo girl. Um, she was. She, she was. was yeah. yeah. But like a this guy, <laughs> he walks around Russia and like. He just doesn't like Russians. So there's a point where like, he goes to an art museum or something. I think he gets mugged he's at a, one point. He's on the steps of the building. Right, right. So he pulls out his wallet. And he's like, I bet you all want my big fat American wallet. You're all ants. And <laughs> It was the best writing anyone turned in that semester. Yeah, but just yeah. those three sentences. It's just one of those things that certain things stick with you, right? Like, you know, I, I don't remember every book I've ever read, but I will remember that weird <laughs> Russian themed story for the rest of my life. So that, that Andros has that same sensibility. I think it brought another angle of depth to the character. That's what I think. That I only agree. three of us could enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, there were a few other people. I think the cross section of people who listen to this show and were in that class is low, but you never know. If you're out there, friends, we miss you. I mean, we could be on a journey of hope and healing together. Somebody could be in for a dozen yellow roses and a goodnight kiss. I, I don't know. I don't know. What a uh, pain in the back. Take those roses out of the weeds, though. <laughs> so we continue. Andrus is still impervious, right? And they're trying to think, like, how do we get into this armor, right? And here's what they do. Aim for the elbows. Of course, you got to aim for the elbows. Oh, sweep the leg. He tells this to Hawkeye. And if you ever wanted to see Iron Man point at his elbow and do a little dance, this is the episode for you. But it's all for naught, right? Because Andros and Tony are now standing facing each other. You know, the, the battle appears to be lost. And Andros, before he does his deed, he has to pontificate. He's got to do a soliloquy. You are the monster. What I do now will prevent millions from destruction. <gasps> and now it ends. And then he shoots Tony and kills him. Tony is disintegrated. He's, he's dead. Correct. And you're like, wow. <laughs> like You just oh. see his body disappear. Oh, wow. The, the hero of the cartoon for children is just, <laughs> it's just, uh, he's he's just dead. gone. There's, there's no denying it. Oh, boy. He's eliminated. And he doesn't make it. That's true. He's, he, it terminated. And Andrew says hasta la vista and, and rides a Harley out of there. He rides a Harley into the the like the liquid metal pit. Right. Just like the movie The Eliminator. <laughs> and so Hawkeye shoots the he shoots Andrus with the arrow, right? In the elbow finally. And Andros's suit goes to like static or whatever. And he comes to this realization. 
It's the Vortex virus! Iron Man invented it to defeat me? It, it's all my fault. Hoisted by his own petard. <laughs> Just, you, you get what you deserve. So he uses his last warp accelerator to do a time jump back 10 seconds to right before he shoots Tony. And we get this weird conversation. That virus was the original seed that would one day become Vortex. Now I get it. Wow. Talk about a paradox. <laughs> so then, okay. So Andros 1, who is the one that killed Tony, now disappears. And then Andros 2 is still there and his suit's all fucked up, mm-hmm. right? And they're still talking to each other. And Andros is like, he's pontificating. And then he talks to his Jarvis. Sir, timeline scans indicate Vortex's influence no longer exists. And with that, it seems I also no longer exist. Goodbye, grandfather. Goodbye, Andros. So then like the McFly siblings, he he fades out of existence. And this was a real problem for me with this, because if Jarvis can scan the timeline that definitively to say that Vortex has no influence, mm-hmm. how could they have fucked this up so badly to not know how Vortex came into being? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Also, <laughs> if I, I this is where my brain will melt. <laughs> if Andros, Andros, whatever, never goes back in time, the thing doesn't exist so right. how does he know like there's a chicken in the, the first place yeah. to go back in time i watched it and it was just like like my phone almost dropped out of my hands i was like what the f- i don't understand like how did he know to go back in time in the first place like the well it did exist at one point because he went back he yeah but see this is the terminator problem too right because the remains from the original terminator then went into miles dyson who then created the terminator who, who then led to the right. Skynet, which led to yeah, the yeah. going back. So it's like this weird, I mean, it's a real vortex, right? I mean, it just, it, it boggles the mind as most time travel stories do. One of it's the true. funniest movie deaths is uh, when Tyson kills himself to save save the others <laughs> in uh, Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> just breathing really heavily it's and ridiculous. sweating. He was going for it. It's ridiculous. He was going for it. Uh, I liked in Terminator 2 as well when Bobby Budnick was there. And yeah. he tries to distract the T-1000. <laughs> he just like shuts him up against a wall. Maybe I'll watch Terminator 2 when we're done with this tonight. It's a good idea. That's a time travel story. The thing that we have sort of underplayed here is Andros is Tony's grandson. Right. And he has no qualms about killing his grandfather. He's doing He's it for the greater good, him, yeah. right? You would think that Tony, having just seen his grandson die... This would have some sort of effect on it. No, he's a total sociopath. That's true. We won't see Andrew Stark again. And then they're cool with it. <laughs> They've cool. all made their peace with this. But we're not done. I don't have a clip for this, but we go back to Hammer, and in classic Back to the Future style, <laughs> the hardline hologram fades away, and he starts flipping his shit because he knows things have changed. Yeah, the tombstone doesn't say Emmett Brown anymore. <laughs> it says... Clint Eastwood? <laughs> but that is uh, that is Iron Man Armored Adventures. Would, well, I mean, I guess, Shailen, in your case, you would show it to a child. Would have, would do it again. Oh, Not man. by my choice, though. He picked it out. Oh, man. 
So I guess by default, that's a yes for me as well. How about you, Dave? No, I wouldn't show it to my children anyway. Uh, they're, they're too young. And shame on you too. Your child is too young for this as well. It's too violent. There's too much time travel and there's too much explanation potentially to explain to a child. And I won't, I won't be able to handle it. In day 200 of the quarantine, your, your standards for what's appropriate and not. Accurate. Oh Go yeah. I, I can't, I can't throw stones here. They've been watching um, like a show that's made for preteens called the descendants on Disney plus. And sure. if I have to hear any of those songs again, I will. Well, you heard it here first folks. I'm going to blow up my brains. Like oh, it's so bad. <laughs> You need oh. to go for a nice walk <laughs> away walk. from that TV. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. take a breath. <laughs> and to rate it, we can do, but we do one to five Iron Man's. I'm no Robert Schwartzman, but I tried. Mm, I'm going to pull a Shailen here, two and a half. It was fine. My, I did not appreciate the time travel paradoxes that it raised. <laughs> the, the CGI animation, like that's, done well now but not by this show Mm -hmm. um give me like a big reboot kind of nausea vibe (laughs) but there were some things i appreciated like all the the tech and stuff i thought that was pretty cool so cool shailen give it a solid three Mm -hmm. the song is catchy as hell it will be stuck in my head forever it's followable. I think that I think the time travel stuff in this particular episode is really funny because it's so half-assed. Yeah. So it didn't make my brain hurt at all. I was just like, yes, that is the explanation you stole from that other place. Uh, and I was entertained by it. So. So there you go. There you go. I am going to go three as well. I think this is probably a good episode of this to watch because you're not missing a lot of the context around it. It's as French as can be. Like, yes, you know what I mean? If I had watched this for five seconds without knowing anything about it, I would have said this is produced in France. Uh, The time travel stuff is, I mean, it's obviously a fucking, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I guess I can appreciate almost as much as like a Bat to the Future where it's, it's handled a little more carefully. Like just one of the things I appreciate about these cartoons is just the sheer like fuck it nature of it all um, for, for concepts like that. So I think, it was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. You know what? None of us addressed in this rating is that this was taking okay. a character and making it a kid. Mm. And while that is like troubling to me normally under any other circumstance, for some reason in this, I was just like everything else was so bananas. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think you're probably right. I I thought about it as I was watching it. A big element of the Tony Stark character is he's got alcohol and addiction problems. Yeah. And, and obviously that's not part of the thing here. And. The idea of a kid being a superhero, but then you're like, well, Spider-Man is around that same age. So I guess it didn't bug me. I mean, I like my Tony Stark with weird facial hair and <laughs> loving Burger King, but yeah, it was fine. I at times forgot that he was a teenager, just the way he was acting. Like he was a teen in the beginning because he had all the packages. They were talking about dates mm-hmm. and that was about it. Like he, everything else he does like seemed like just adult Tony Stark would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never it didn't come off as like a James Bond Jr., or a um, pup named Scooby-Doo kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it doesn't feel as out of place as those did to me. Yeah. So. All right. Let's hit the road here. Or the skies with Iron Man? Sure, the skies. The highest of highs with, <laughs> with a game, maybe? 
Would you like to play a game? <laughs> See, yes. We're filling time while Shailen fumbles around to get a computer here. <laughs> Very slowly, too. We're playing a game called Are You As Cultured As a Preschooler? Oh, Are You As Cultured As a Preschooler? You're welcome. I came up with an actual title this week. The way that this game is going to work is I'm going to read an episode synopsis from Wikipedia of this show. And you are going to tell me if our four and a half year old liked it or didn't like it. And for a bonus point, you can predict or try to figure out his commentary on the episode. Okay. And I'll do my best to do his voice justice. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Excellent. All right. Our pilot episode, Iron Forged in Fire, part one. Inventor Howard Stark seemingly dies in a plane crash while investigating an ancient Chinese McLuhan ring. Is that how you say it? I have no idea. I don't know how they say it. His son, Tony Stark, barely survives the crash when the armored exoskeleton battlesuit, which Tony designed and built himself, implants in his chest a device to sustain his damaged heart. Obadiah Stane takes control of Howard's company, Stark International, and begins weaponizing Stark's inventions. A bunch of other stuff happens, too. Dave, did our kid like this episode or not like this episode? I think he liked it, but I think his reaction to it, even though he liked it, he did not like the plane the plane crash, Mama. You're wrong on both fronts. Oh, man. <laughs> he didn't like this episode, and his reason was, it doesn't sound like it was a lot of fun for Tony. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, Near-death plane crashes would be would be tough. It's yeah. true. All right, Ben. Mm-hmm. This episode is called Secrets and Lies. Oh, boy. As tensions mount between the Tong and rival criminal organizations, the Magia, Jean enrolls in the Tomorrow Academy to be closer to Tony in uh, hopes... Uh, sorry, Jean? Jean. There's a character, Jean? Like G-E-N-E? That's correct. <laughs> okay. Jean. Cool. Jean. He's the son oh, or play. grandson Jean. of the Mandarin. <laughs> okay. Oh, the, the son of the Mandarin is Gene? That's correct. Good. Gene Mandarin. Uh, I'm, I'm retroactively changing my score two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so he enrolls in the Tomorrow Academy to be closer to Tony in hopes of learning more about the rings. When mm-hmm. a team of Magia thugs headed by unicorn and killer strike kidnap Gene, mm-hmm. Tony and Pe- Pepper Rody immediately... That's right. This is all just words in a row that are not a sentence. I'm just getting really confused. All right. So they kidnap Gene, Tony, and Pepper. <laughs> Rhodey okay. remotely pilots the Iron Man suit to help rescue them. Liked it. He did not like it. He didn't like it because they were fighting. Okay. <laughs> That's true. That, I mean, that is the number one characteristic of the Iron Man series is no fighting. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Reasonable. <laughs> I wonder if he didn't like any of this, given that mm. given that critique. Mm. Well, mm. it was the it was the gangs that he didn't like that were fighting. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. They should be friends, Mama. Dave, Iron Man versus the Crimson Dynamo. Two years ago, an astronaut named Ivan Vanko was lost in space while observing the sun. Two minutes ago, he crashed down into the middle of New York City. Vanko is alive. Thanks to the massive environmental suit he was wearing, dubbed the Crimson Dynamo. The rest of it doesn't matter. Uh, 
Tony does fall asleep in his armor at the on the way back to the armory, though. Okay. What do you think? I think your son loved it. That's and correct. I think the reason was, Mama, I think Daddy looks like the Crimson Dy- Dynamo. <laughs> no. Nope. He liked it because, ooh, I like the Crimson Dynamo. Oh, I was so close. You were very close. So he's a communist. I think he just likes the suit. Okay. Ben? Yes. The episode is Meltdown. Mm-hmm. Tony is still flunking school, and he's placed in the lead role of Hamlet. Sure. <laughs> Makes sense. For reasons. <laughs> he learns from a holograph that his father wanted him to have a normal life. Did our kid like it or did he not like it? Yes, he liked it. No, he did not. Oh, wow. Not a Hamlet fan, more of a King Lear guy. say he likes acting. He <laughs> he didn't like it because, ha, 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 Hamlet's a funny name. So he didn't like it because Hamlet's a funny name? That is correct. I don't know. That sounds like a like to me. I want you guys to know that, I, that point. I read through these with him. Like we went through the pictures and he picked out ones he liked and the ones that he was like, no, I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Now you've you've seen this episode, right, Jim? Oh yeah. Are there like terrible Hamlet puns that? No puns. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. Tony or not Tony? <laughs> All right, Dave. Yes. Chasing ghosts. Pepper realizes if she wants to keep Tony as a pr- a friend, she needs to learn to start liking Gene Khan, who has been busy trying to negotiate <laughs> peace as the Mandarin. Excuse me, Gene Khan. That's correct. Is his name? Yes. Come on. That's not real. That's his name. (laughs) Is it supposed to be close to Genghis Khan? Is that why he's Gene? I have no idea. I'm retroactively changing my score too. (laughs) Gene Uh, Khan. Good God. That character's middle name has to be S, right? Gene S. Khan. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) This guy's a real Gene ass. Uh, So she has to start liking Gene, uh, who has been busy trying to negotiate peace as the Mandarin, between his Tong forces and the Magia. Pepper ends up in the middle of a conflict. In order to save Pepper from Count Nefaria and the Black Knight without revealing his secret, Jean calls Iron Man. When Iron Man interrupts the meeting, the Tong and the Magia fight, leaving Iron Man against Black Knight. In the end, Jean saves Pepper. Count Nefaria and Black Knight get arrested, and the Tong soldiers find out the man they've been following is <laughs> not Jean. the Mandarin. <laughs> Some dude named Gene? Tong out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dave, what do you think? I, uh, I don't think he likes it. Wrong. Why do, oh. you, why do you think he does like it now that you are wrong? <laughs> <laughs> likes Gene. Maybe he likes it because of the, the, the Black Knight character. That is correct. He was a big fan of the Black Knight. Hmm. So is that, do I get a point? You get a point. Woohoo! Dave has a commanding lead of two. What is winning? <laughs> I'll let you know, buddy. <laughs> oh! Don't go there. Don't even go there. Singed. Panthers pray. Mm-hmm. Iron Man is tracking an international thief named Moses Magnum right to Ames' secret headquarters. Moses Magnum? Yes. <laughs> That's my porn name. <laughs> Most of the fun of this game is that we get to find out about other plots sure. that happen because this show is bananas. I'm only interested in Gene Con plots. <laughs> uh, 
But the Black Panther is after Magnum as well. Mm -hmm. Magnum stole something that belongs to the Panther, and the Panther aims to get it back, even if he has to go through Iron Man to do it. It is later revealed that Magnum has stolen vibranium from Wakanda and killed the Panther's father in the revolt. I'm going to say liked it. Liked it. Because of Black Panther. And what did he say about this episode, Ben, for your bonus point? He likes Black Panther. That's correct. It's, in fact, his favorite episode. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, mum mum. Can we... Ooh, ooh, can we watch the Black Panther one? Can we watch it again? <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Who started? Dave I did. started. All right, Dave, this is going to be your last one. Okay. This is Technivore. The Technivore virus that Tony unleashed against Project Pegasus didn't burn out as intended. It has acquired the nanotechnology and is running loose in the Project Pegasus complex, assimilating any technology it can get its hands on. It has taken on the shape of, shape of a robot, which bears resemblance to, it, to Spider-Man villain Carnage. Meanwhile... Nick Fury sends some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to bring Tony to repair the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier's engines. It is also revealed that the living laser is dying and that S.H.I.E.L.D. intends to let him waste away as he was a villain. A lot of other stuff happens too, but that's inconsequential. Mm -hmm. What was Gene up to? Gene was not featured in this episode. Mm. What about Moses Large Dick? (laughs) Magnum. Magnum, Moses Magnum. Uh, Not real. (laughs) (laughs) but did he like this episode (laughs) i don't think he liked it and it was because uh mum this is too much like the tom Selleck movie runaway it's it's derivative you're right that he didn't like it but the reason that he didn't like it is because he thinks that the technivore plotline in spider-man is superior hmm the living laser is one of the earlier marvel villains this was in the 60s when they had villains like paste pot pete who literally like (laughs) he walked around with two jars of glue on his hips and he would shoot paste and there was a guy he went by whirlwind later i think he started off as like the human top and his power was that he could spin around really fast and he like tasmanian deviled but he was the human 90s no this was in the 60s oh 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 everybody's calling each other like cat and baby. Um, 60s Marvel comics are weird is the yes. the end point to that. It's like the condiment man from the from Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ben. Mm-hmm. Dave has one point ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to win, to tie, or, or to, to lose. lose. Right. right. The name of the episode is The Hawk and the Spider. Iron Man attempts to stop Hawkeye and Black Widow from stealing Stark International's UI chip. As a result, Justin Hammer uses the rebuilt Titanium Man armor to steal the UI chip, and the three must reluctantly team up to get it back. Note 1. Pepper mentions a boxing glove arrow. This is used by DC Comics Green Arrow, a marksman like Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Note 2. Iron Man confronts Hawkeye and jokes by calling him the Purple Arrow, a play on Green Arrow of DC fame. It's my poor name. <laughs> Did he like this episode or not like this episode? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So you're currently tied. Mm-hmm. And for the win, do you want to give the commentary subplot of this episode as told by our four and a half year old that is not a reality of the TV series? What? the hell did you just huh? say 
He made up a subplot that doesn't. It is not real. Oh, um, you have to come up with the subplot. Hawkeye and Black Widow are smooching. I, I don't. I don't know. Okay, actually, so Hawkeye and Black Widow in this episode are smooching. Oh, nice. And the commentary from our four and a half year old is that mm-hmm. it's weird because in the official continuity that he buys into. Mm-hmm. Black Widow and Captain America have a son named James, which comes in from another Marvel cartoon. And so it is his belief that Hawkeye in this episode is actually Captain America disguised as Hawkeye because he's in the future and something about hiding from Hydra. And it's really Captain America. Is that the same cartoon where most of the original Avengers were killed by Ultron? Yes. All but two. But they're still drawn. Like, so the kids are now the Avengers, but they're drawn like, you know, like a fucking cartoon appropriate for a six year old. You're going to spill your iced tea. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. Whoa. So, yeah. So that's a fucked up cartoon. Don't check out that one on Netflix. What is the, the final score? I'd like to congratulate the two of you for uh-huh. being tied. We call Ooh. that a gene. It's a gene. Yeah. It's like Go a draw. Gene. Win, loser, gene. Hashtag we stand for Gene. If win, loser, Gene is not next week's game, whoever has the next cartoon, mm-hmm. then I quit. Hmm. Unless I forget by then. It's a heavy shot. Gene. So thanks for playing. Gene, Are you cultured gene. as a preschooler? Are you cultured as a gene schooler? Onto the mailbag. Webster's Dictionary defines summer as hot eats, cool treats, and kicking tunes. What's your ultimate summer jam? I want to hear your MTV TRL faves. Save our summer. Sincerely, Ron Polstiltskin. Thanks, Ron. So kicking summer tunes here. Mm-hmm. Like now or like... Ever, I think. Yeah. All all of mine are from like the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is uh, LFO. I like girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Good God. RIP Rich. That's right. Uh, Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh boy. Insensitive. Sorry. Local band. I I, I didn't know. That song is rough. (laughs) Holy hell. That song sucks. No, I'm just, I'm joking. It just popped into my head. Tom Tom Green, the bum bum song. I'm having trouble differentiating one. I can think of a bunch, right? Like some of them are movie related. Okay. Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real kicker. I had that album. The Men in Black song. Okay. And then, <laughs> this is a good one. Brandy and Monica, The Boy is Mine. Let's <laughs> think of that one. <laughs> I think when I was 14 or 15, that one played on MTV a lot. I don't know whose boy it ended up being, but, and then any variety of Britney Spears songs. Hmm. You need a good summer jam. So I worked at an ice cream shop for so long. And in the summer, the only way to get through that 10 hour shift, and Mm -hmm. I used to work 10 hour shifts on purpose, so I wouldn't have to drive there too often. Because Um, of the divorce? Nothing to do with the divorce. I would put on pop music because it was safe. Right. Like we wouldn't offend people coming into the store or whatever. Sure. And so I have a real soft spot for Ashley Simpson's debut album Mm -hmm. for It's Getting Hot in Here, uh, which was Nelly. Nelly. Oh, but the clean version. The clean version of it. And we used to sing it a lot, especially when the doors on the ice cream shop would be open so all the air okay. conditioning would run out and like the vanilla ice cream would start to melt. Mm-hmm. All of us learned the rap from, oh, what the hell is it? Thong song. 
<laughs> it wasn't the thong song. It was after that. That's the answer, though. I'll come back. There's a lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. That one. Yes. Yeah. We'll put that one in a drop next week. I, I, I think work <laughs> is a good setting. I, I remember in the when I worked in a grocery store, um, maybe this wasn't summer. It was that stings Desert Rose. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, and also David Gray Babylon. Oh, Babylon's my, one of mine, too. Babylon. So for me, it's the the thong song and Shaggy um, wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That's a good one. And also, I, this came out, I think, the, the summer I was going into high school. And it was called Closing Time. And all oh. the kids. Oh, man. Yeah. Semi-Sonic. My, yeah, 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 yeah. All the kids in my eighth grade class as we were graduating just loved that song. And it's not good. It, but it's stuck in my head forever. It's ingrained in me. It, it just a reminder of junior high. It's oh, catchy. Man. It's not that it's terrible. I think we just heard it too many times. This just yeah. triggered a memory. I have two very triggered memories from that particular song. Do, do, you became Purple Arrow too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to when I graduated from eighth grade, we had like a class night or whatever, and we had to put on a play about the jobs that we were going to have when we grew up. But we also had to sing songs as a class to like our parents. Oh, no. Um, I can't remember what the other one was, but one of them was um, That's What Friends Are For. So it was like we were singing oh, to dear. each other in our class. Do you know what else you just made me think of? So, David Gray Babylon. Babylon. Desert Rose. I was in the marching band. Sure. And because obviously. You played Staying Desert Rose. I, well, no. So we had this band director who. Gene. He didn't really, he wasn't hip with the times so much. And so we had a full um, Paul Simon halftime show. Okay. And so one summer I had to learn a lot of the parts for Call Me Al for marching band and several other of his songs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Call Me Al is a kick-ass song. Sure. You can really tell a person that you're going to get along with or not get along with. If they're like, that song sucks, then you know they're not worth hanging out with. What if they like that LFO song, though? Chinese food makes me sick. <laughs> I think it's flat. Hit or miss. With summer. For with summer. summer. I've, in going along with this question, missing summer blockbusters this year. And again, this is like a real first world thing. I know this. Like, it, it's really bringing me down a bit. So I think over the summer, I really want to watch a lot of those like really stereotypical like summer blockbuster movies. Mad Max Fury Road, Independence Day 2. You know, like those big, just bombastic <laughs> summer kind of movies. There was a second Independence Day movie? Yeah. Why? Because the people demanded it. Who's in it? Bill Pullman. Um, Jeff not, Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, not Will Smith. Liam, One of the, the other Hemsworth? Yeah, the other Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, the one who was in the Hunger Games. Okay. Um, There's actually three of them. It's fun that we only talk about two. Yeah, here. it's it's Liam and Chris and Gene. Gene, I think. I think his name might actually so be Gene. It could could be. <laughs> I don't know. What it Listeners, is. <laughs> uh, if you know, hit us up. Hashtag Hidden Hemsworth. But anyway, <laughs> thanks, Ron. I'm Gut Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of Iron Man Armored Adventures. We will not revisit this cartoon. Will, will we visit the 1994 version? Maybe, probably. Tough to tell. But any parting thoughts? Thanks for coming on this ride with me, and I hope that you can pass the ring on to the next person. Seven days. 
but don't ride your horse onto a boat. No, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't end well. <laughs> or Ben will crack up laughing. <laughs> it is very funny. <laughs> I have no final thoughts, as usual. <laughs> no closing words. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Jiffy, uh, at WatchBotsPod. Email at WatchBotsPod.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. For Dave and Shailen, this is Ben. Thank you for listening to another episode of WatchBots. If you ever find yourself in a time travel situation, you know, you're getting beset by like people from the future or you're in a paradox or whatever, take a deep breath, take a step back, and think, what would Gene do? Con. Gene Con. Gene Con! <laughs> See ya.